When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priest made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So we've already seen that the Jews have tried to kill Jesus. Well, now they're also trying to kill Lazarus because Lazarus is also drawing attention. And the attention that he's drawing is pointing people to Jesus Christ. Now, look at this. The, the Jews that are trying to kill Jesus are religious leaders of this time. And, and what religious leaders would want to kill somebody? Also, consider the fact that if God had raised Lazarus from the dead, which He did, why would they want to oppose God? Why would they want to fight against Him? And why would they want to murder somebody when they know that the laws of Moses in Exodus 20 verse 13 clearly says, Thou shalt not murder. So think about this, religious leaders wanting to kill somebody because their people were leaving them to go and follow this Jesus. Put it in context for today. And I know this is absurd to say this, but just think about some of the smaller churches wanting to kill the churches of the, or the pastors of the bigger churches because their folks were getting all the people. It makes no sense whatsoever. And again, they were fighting against God. They didn't realize it. But here's what I want you to see. Even though we see this in verses 9, 10, and 11, it is not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture as far as them making an attempt to kill Him or them trying to, uh, to do away with Him in any form or fashion. Obviously, they did not succeed in this. Once again, showing us that God is sovereign. He's in control, and we can trust Him. And now for the main part of our message today, beginning in verse 12. The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet Him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, I just told you that Lazarus not being killed by the Jews was another sign that God is sovereign. Here, too, is another case showing that God had everything lined up a certain way. On your bulletin. I have where uh, John MacArthur put that Jesus entered the city, however, on his own time and forced the whole issue in order that it might happen exactly on the Passover day when the lambs were being sacrificed. God is sovereign and everything that happens is orchestrated by Him. Yes, we have choices. Sam and I had a great discussion about that this morning. Uh, you think about Joseph uh, being sold by his brothers in the Old Testament and all the things that they did. They wanted to do that, but yet God used that in order to get Joseph to the right place at the right time. Jesus knows that his time has come and he is uh, preparing the situation as God is leading him through this path. He has this uh, entrance into Jerusalem 
And, and look what it says there. It says uh, they took palm trees, and in other passages we see that they also took uh, their cloaks, and they laid their, their outer garments down. They, they laid down these palm trees. They, they laid these down as the, the new king was coming in. Look at the last part of verse 13. Even the king of Israel, Hosanna, which means Lord save us or help us. And it's in a form of praise as we sung this morning. And they laid down their jackets and they laid down these palm trees. I want you to imagine, and, and please don't, uh, don't get mad at me today or try to stone me, but just imagine that if you had a new king or a new president and the president was coming through your area, uh, would you take your coat off and, and lay it down so that they could walk across it instead of walking on the dirt or the dust? That's what they're doing here. Uh, they were uh, showing honor to this new king. And this made the, the Jews even madder. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin made them even matter. But they were troubled because they didn't know how to take care of this. In Matthew chapter 26, they wanted to get rid of Jesus, but at the same time they were afraid that there would be an uproar among the people. And in Luke 22, again, they wanted to put Jesus to death, but they feared the people. So how do you kill Jesus without looking like the bad guy? So they cried, Hosanna. They said, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this blessed here is to ask for a special favor, calling down God's gracious power. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a celebration of Jesus coming into town. And because of all of these people showing up for this, just imagine how much matter it made the Jewish leaders. Now, verse 16 is a verse that stands by itself. And it resembles what you and I are like in so many ways. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things have been written about him and had been done to him. How many times have you looked back and seen something that happened in your life and realized that it happened because God was in the work right there and had you at the right place and at the right time? Or how about this? How many times has something not gone like you hope it would, but then something even better happened? And so we have to look at this, that there are things that we read in Scripture we don't understand right now, but we'll understand it better later when something happens. Or there are situations that we go through. We don't understand why it's going on right now, but then later it enables us to minister to other people who are going through the same thing. So these disciples did understand at this point what was going on. But later they said, okay, now we understand how this uh, fits together. And so they were glad that they understood then. Verse 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went out to him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. The New King James says you are accomplishing nothing. The New American Standard says you are doing nothing good. You are not accomplishing anything. And then look at this last phrase, and I want to spend some time with this for some clarity. 
Look, the world has gone after him. Now, when you are studying the Bible, please be careful because a lot of people will form opinions because they think that each word in the Bible means the same thing every single time that you read it, and that's not the case. For example, in this verse that we just read, the world has gone after him. What do they mean by that? Did they mean that every single person in the world was going after Jesus? And of course the answer is no. They didn't even go after Jesus themselves. And so that's why I gave you the note from John MacArthur. But look at these verses that I have on your bulletin this morning. Some other places where John had used the word world, and you've got to look at it and see exactly what it is he's talking about. In John chapter 12, verse 47, I want you to see the last part there where he says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now here's my question for you. Will everybody in the world be saved? And of course the answer is no. Now does that mean that Jesus failed? Of course not. So what is going on there? Well again he's talking about the fact that um, those that were in the world that he was saving through Jesus Christ is the ones he's talking about here. He didn't come to judge them but to save them. In John 3.17 the last part of it that the world might be saved through him. Again not everyone in the world is going to heaven. Jesus was very clear in Matthew 7.21 not everyone who says Lord Lord will enter in but only those who do the will of my Father. In John 17.9 he says I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world but for those whom you have given me for they are yours. You're like, well, why isn't Jesus praying for everybody? In this particular case, in this passage of Scripture, when He's praying this great prayer, He was praying not only for those who had been following Him there, but also those who would follow Him later through their words. And then finally in verse 21, look at this one. That they may be, be all be one, just as you are, or just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is an easy question to answer. Does everyone in the world believe that Jesus was sent by God? And of course the answer is no. There are some who believe in a God, but they don't believe in uh, Jesus Christ. So, as you read Scripture, be careful not to use each word and say, okay, it means the same thing in every single passage. Now, obviously the Pharisees in verse 19 of our text this morning were very jealous and upset because they were losing people and all these people that were attracted to Jesus and the ministry of Jesus were going out to meet Him wherever He was. Verse 20, now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. That's another word for Gentile. And so these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in uh, Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Notice this is different than what you've seen earlier in Scripture where He said the hour has not yet come. Now it has. And then for the blanks on your sheet, this is where we get verses 24 through 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life 
loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. So, here's the thing that I want you to see. Number one, we cannot bear much fruit if we keep to ourselves. It is impossible. We cannot be isolated. And I'm not talking about as far as the COVID-19 thing. I'm just talking about as far as our general lifestyle. If our lifestyle is to only live in our little square and not be reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we cannot bear much fruit. And I want to challenge you, even during this COVID uh, situation with all the isolation and everything else going on, you still have phones, you still have the ability to reach out in other ways. I encourage you to always ask yourself, who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you reaching out and showing the love of Christ with? You, you can't be uh, self-centered and be expecting to uh, please God in this way. You can't be um, thinking about only your little square uh, or circle of influence. You have to broaden that. He said in his scripture that unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. Uh, just think about it. If all the farmers, instead of planting their seeds, just kept those seeds to eat for themselves, the rest of us would not have any food. But because they do plant these seeds and they do have a harvest, they're pro producing a lot more food. Number two, we cannot have a real life until we give up this worldly life. And sometimes people will say, well, I love Jesus Christ, but I don't want to give up what I'm doing because this is fun. This is joy. This is what I have that satisfies me. Instead of what Jesus has. We had in John chapter 10 a few weeks ago that Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you have life and have it more abundantly. People who are so caught up in this worldly life do not understand that it's temporal and it will not last any longer than a season. And yet those of us who have Jesus Christ recognize that the joy we have through Him doesn't change because of the situations around us. We have that joy throughout. And again, remember the joy is different than being happy. Happy is being uh, influenced by the situations around you. Some of you are like, I'll be happy when I get warm today. Joy is all the way through no matter what, because joy comes from Jesus Christ. Jesus is still on the throne. He's not going to change, so the joy is also not going to change. We have to give up this life of focusing on ourselves and focus on Him instead. And then the number three on your sheet. We cannot be honored by God if we do not serve Jesus. We cannot be honored by God if we do not serve Jesus. If you ask any Christian, would you like to hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant? Everybody's going to say yes. However, if we want to hear that, then we have to serve Him. We have to do what is right. We have to obey Him, follow Him, worship Him, and do what He has called us to do. He said in this text here today, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. 
And where I am, there will be my servant also. Uh, when Nolan's at the house, a lot of times he uh, will jump in front of us and says, Follow me! And he wants to lead us to wherever we're going in the house. Sometimes we do the same thing with Jesus Christ. We get in a hurry, we say, God, uh, follow me. I want to show you what I want you to do. Instead of God saying, no, I want you to follow me and I'll show you what I want you to do. If you want to be honored, you have to obey Him. If you want to have the real life, you have to give up this worldly life. And if you want to bear fruit that pleases Him, then you have to reach out and be an influence to those around us. Uh, on your sheet, I gave you these three letters a long time ago, but uh, let's see if you remember them. Write down the three letters, M-A-D. And do you remember what they stood for? Making a difference. That we are called to make a difference in the lives of those around us. Another word that I'd like you to write down below that one is the word impact. I-M-P-A-C-T. I-M-P-A-C-T. And if you break that up and make that an acronym, I'm meeting people and changing tomorrow. We must be busy reaching people and telling them that Jesus loves them. I am so thankful for the opportunity that I have working with youth, for example. Uh, just last weekend, one of the young ladies on our team uh, was injured, and I had a chance to pray with her. And uh, she later thanked me for that prayer. What a great opportunity to minister. Let us be reaching out. Let us not be satisfied with who we know right now and say, that's enough. Let us always be reaching out and learning about more people and sharing God's love and helping them to see that there is an answer to this problem, and it is Jesus Christ. So if you want to please Him, bear fruit. If you want a real life, give up this world. If you want to be honored by God, then you got to serve Jesus. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank You so much. Thank You, Lord, for all the opportunities You give us to share the Gospel and help us to be faithful to You. Father, we love You. And I pray if there's anyone here in this gathering this morning that's not right with You, that right now they would uh, confess their sins to You as You give them repentance. If they're not saved yet, Father, speak to their hearts. Give them life through Christ. And Father, we will give you the praise and glory for it all. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen and amen. I love you all. If you love Jesus, honky horns.